0: Welcome to the Marriage Steps Podcast for developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve, and following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. The Marriage Steps Podcast is listener-supported, so to help keep it on the air so couples worldwide can receive hope for their marriage, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. When you go there, you'll notice there's three different levels of membership. You can become a bronze supporter, which is $10 a month. and You get a free copy of my new book coming out, Total Marriage Refresh. You can become a silver supporter, where you get a copy of my free book plus a free marriage tool of your choice. Or you can become a gold supporter, which is $30 a month. And with that, you get a free book, a free marriage tool, and two free tickets to my next marriage retreat. So consider checking it out and become a supporter of the program to help spread the program worldwide to help reduce the divorce rate. Also, I'm starting to go live on Facebook and Instagram on my accounts weekdays at 4 o'clock. So if you have questions you want to pick my brain on, log in at 4 o'clock Mountain Standard Time on my Facebook or Instagram account on weekdays. Okay, we're going to start with Q&A with the shrink. So question number one how to start working through resentments. How do I do this? I have lots of resentments towards my partner, and where do I begin? So I would say there's two different tools for working through resentments. It depends on if the behavior is still happening or if it's something in the past. Because sometimes we have resentments towards our partner for something they've done in the past, but they're no longer doing it. And if that's the case, you want to use the compassion chart. The compassion chart is a marriage tool on my website. You can go there and check it out. But basically what the compassion chart does is it helps you understand all the variables that went into your partner's hurtful behavior, which cultivates compassion. It doesn't mean they were 100% innocent, but it helps you to understand why they behaved the way that they did. And the more we have compassion, forgiveness becomes a byproduct. So be sure to check out the article on my blog on cultivating compassion, healing resentments, and it's also a marriage tool. Next question. How can I determine how much my past influences my reaction toward my partner? That's a really good question. So this would be considered a trigger. So a trigger is anytime something from your past is influencing how you're reacting to your partner. And most of us have triggers on some level. So for example, let's say growing up you had an emotional wound because your dad never listened to you. And when you would speak, he'd be reading the newspaper. He was always working. He never really gave you attention. And lo and behold, now you're married and your husband doesn't give you much attention. And it starts making you hurt, starts making you mad, starts making you bitter. So how much is that your husband and how much is that a trigger from your past of feeling ignored from your father? It's probably a little bit of both. And so it's helpful to discern that because when we can understand it's not 100% our partner, I'm actually also getting triggered, it takes the blame off 100% pointing the finger at our spouse. That helps them not feel as attacked. If we can acknowledge this behavior you're having that's hurting me is not all you, it also stirs up stuff from my past. But that doesn't mean it's not your partner at all, it doesn't mean it's all your partner, it's somewhere in the middle. So one of the great, greatest ways to discern if you're getting triggered or if your past is influencing you is if your reaction seems stronger than what is warranted. So if you're having a really strong reaction to something your partner is doing or in, one way, in some, some way that they've hurt you, you might want to check in with some trusted friends and ask them if they think you're overreacting. Because if you are overreacting, most likely you're getting triggered. Something in your past is getting activated or a strong value from your past is getting violated, but something is happening to you, which is making your emotions stronger than what is warranted for the current situation. So that's a great way to tell if your past is influencing your present reaction. Number three, how can my partner and I learn to compromise? We have different values on different topics. How can we learn to meet in the middle? There's a tool for this that I teach called Bounce the Ball. So I would start with that tool and basically Bounce the Ball is where you say your opinion and the value underneath your opinion and where that opinion comes from. We don't just arrive at our opinions nonchalantly. They're there for a reason, probably because we've gone through a lot of things in our past, we've been exposed to a lot of things, we've cultivated a value system for a variety of factors and it's led us to land at a different position or a certain position on a topic. And so we need to understand those backgrounds, the the background between our partner's position and ours. So if you're on a topic with your partner and you're not seeing eye to eye, practice bouncing the ball. So all you do is you say your opinion and you explain where it comes from, the value behind it, the journey you've been on to land at that position. Then you bounce the ball by saying, what do you think? And then your partner gets a chance to do the same thing. They're going to explain their position and the values behind their position and where their position comes from. They're going to bounce the ball back to you and say, what do you think? And then at that point, things change because both partners have shared their position. And so then you want to start adjusting your position by a few degrees to honor your partner's position. So you come up with your new idea, you say it, and then you bounce the ball back by saying, what do you think? then your partner does the same thing. They have to adjust their position by a few degrees to honor yours. They say their new position and then they bounce the ball right back. What do you think? Now, if you get at an impasse, it can be really helpful to take a break because sometimes we need to mull over our partner's position. We need to mull over their values. We need to mull over how they feel about a certain topic while we do other activities. That's called unconscious decision-making. So when we don't intentionally think about something, but instead we mull it over in the back of our mind while we do other activities, research shows that tends to lead to better decisions. And so do this with your partner. So the next time you have a difference in position, try to understand where they're coming from, what their viewpoint is, what their vantage point is, what their concerns are, and then take a break and do other things for a few days or maybe at least a day. And just mull over their position in the back of your mind while you're doing other activities most likely you'll come to a compromise you'll have some ideas come to you that would be a win-win because you know what your position is but what you need to become more mindful of is your partners and how to meet in the middle okay so the message of the day is five steps to developing emotional safety in marriage five steps step number one is understanding attachment. So if you have kids, you probably understand attachment. Maybe you've learned about attachment, maybe you haven't, but I'm sure you've experienced it on some level. We all have. So what attachment says, attachment theory, is that if you have a child and you tune in to the signals of the child sensitively and consistently, that child is gonna develop a sense of trust that the world is a safe place and vice versa. If you have a child, And you ignore their signals or you misread their signals or you overwhelm them on some level or you deprive them that's going to lead to a sense of mistrust they're not going to be able to trust you to meet their signals to meet their needs and they're going to develop a sense of mistrust in the world so each of us have a different level of attachment growing up and that leads to point number two we all intermarriage differently with different levels of trust So some of us, we may have been raised with caregivers that did an amazing job tuning into us. They really were sensitive, they were consistent, they were warm, and we felt like our needs were met. So we developed trust. Those of us who had that, we enter into marriage trusting right away our partners. We're open, we're comfortable with closeness, we're comfortable with intimacy. That's someone with a high level of trust because of their background, having a secure attachment. Others of us were raised in a home where we did not have a secure attachment. We did not have a caregiver tuning into our signals and meeting our needs and being warm. Instead, they were cold or abusive or neglectful. And so if that was our experience, we're going to enter into marriage with a low level of trust. We're going to already enter marriage being skeptical about our partner. Can we trust them? Are they going to hurt us? We may feel uncomfortable with closeness. We may feel uncomfortable with intimacy. So each of us has a different starting point with levels of trust that we enter into marriage. And that leads to point number three. Marriage can make your attachment style better or worse. So regardless of where you enter into marriage, how you experience your partner is gonna make your trust go up or down. So for example, let's say you enter marriage and you have a low trust level because of your history of having an insecure attachment. However... You're married to someone who's very loving and very warm, and they tune into your signals. And through that experience with them day in and day out, you learn to trust. You learn to to attach. You learn to feel more secure. And so your trust level is going up, even though you had an insecure attachment in your background. And the opposite can happen. So let's say you have a high trust level because of your history, and you enter into marriage, but you're married to someone who's very cold or very rejecting, or they don't read your signals, or they don't respond to your needs very well. So your level of trust will start to go down, and you'll start to wall off to protect yourself. So how you interact with your partner greatly influences how much they're gonna develop trust with you, regardless of their background this goes into number four. So if you've been in a marriage, if you've been in a relationship, maybe you're in one right now where you feel like you have pretty low trust levels because your partner has hurt you. They've done stuff. They've offended you. They've not met your needs. Most likely you have some resentment there. And if you do, you have to start with the resentments. You're not going to be able to cultivate trust if you have all this welled up resentment inside of you. So you can work through resentments in two ways. The first way is you can go through the compassion chart if it's something in your history. That's what I talked about earlier in this episode. The compassion chart will help you understand why your partner hurt you in the way that they did. What was influencing it? What about their history influenced it? What about their circumstances? What were you doing that may have influenced it? What about your past might be getting triggered? That will help you develop more compassion for why they hurt you. That will help you work through some resentments in the past. If it's something current your partner is doing, you have to use the Reunite tool. And that is a technique on my website. You can read the blog about it. It's Conflict Resolution, the Reunite tool. That's the title of the article. But it's all about how to bring up a complaint constructively, and if you're the listener, how to respond constructively. So it simultaneously addresses conflict and resentment. Because you have to be working through resentments in order to build back trust. When trust is low in marriage, emotional intimacy and physical intimacy get quickly compromised. So that leads to the final step, which is number five, which is responding to bids. So in marriage, we give bids, and the bids are our desire for a connection. So perhaps one of your bids would be you wanna feel Closer through conversation. So you may throw out a bid to your partner and say, Hey, honey, how about we put the kids early, to bed early tonight so we can have some time to talk? That's a bid. Or maybe you haven't had much physical intimacy and you'll say, Hey, honey, how do you feel about putting the kids to bed tonight so we can have some cuddle time in our bed? That could be a bid. Or maybe you have a bid because you have a need for appreciation. So maybe you say, Hey, honey, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot of hours lately for us for our family and just didn't know if you noticed that's a bid so we make bids because we have needs and out of our needs we make bids and when we throw out a bid we hope our partner recognizes those bids and responds to the bids so the first question here is do you know what your partner's bids are they're coming out of your partner's needs do you know what kind of bids they make are you watching for the bids and do you know how to respond to the bids because how you respond to those bids is going to influence how securely attached your partner becomes with you so you have three options when your partner makes a bid option number one is you turn away from the bids so you you don't even notice the bid. so for example going back to the partner who says hey honey let's put the kids to bed early tonight so we can have some quality time together and talk If I turned away from that, I would say, oh, I can't tonight. I have some work to do. That's turning away. I ignored the bid. I didn't even recognize it. That's turning away. The second option you have is turning against. This is the worst option. This is when you get hostile in response to the bid. So here's how it would look. Hey, honey, how about we put the kids to bed early tonight and have some quality time together tonight to talk? We haven't talked in a while. Don't you know how busy I am? All you ever want to do is connect. One of us has to support the family, don't we? That's turning against. Okay, that's the worst thing you can do because your partner is vulnerable when they reach out and make a bid for connection out of their need. And if you respond by turning against, it's going to crush them. The third option is turning toward turning toward, so let's go back to the example hey honey how about we put the kids to bed early tonight so we can have some quality time and we can catch up we haven't talked in a while okay that's a good idea i would love to do that i have about 30 more minutes of work how about i finish up work and then i'll help you put the kids to bed and then we have a great night together how would that be that's turning toward in that scenario you recognize the bid you hear it and then you turn toward. You meet the bid in a way that also works for you because in that scenario, the person still has some work to do. So it doesn't mean you need to scratch everything and suffer to meet the bid. You still can try to meet the bid in a way that will also work for you because then it's sustainable and you're not doing it with resentment. So watch out for your partner making bids. The bids are going to come from their needs. And when they make the bid, you have the option of turning away turning against or turning toward. And when you turn toward, that's what's going to cultivate a secure attachment because then you're going to seem safe. They're going to feel like their needs can be met, that you are predictable, that you're responding sensitively and consistently to their needs. So there you have it five steps to developing emotional safety in marriage number one you want to understand attachment theory number two you want to understand we all enter marriage differently some of us have high levels of trust some of us have low levels of trust based on our background number three marriage can make your attachment style better or worse based on how your partner is number four if you have attachment breaches if you feel not safe in your relationship emotionally it's because there's resentments there's been hurt feelings and you have to work through those hurt feelings whether through the compassion chart or the reunite tool those are two tools that can help with that and then finally number five is practice tuning into your partner's bids and then responding by turning toward thank you for listening to the marriage steps podcast if you enjoyed the episode be sure to click the five stars and leave a review and subscribe so that you get the future episodes. The more reviews I receive, the higher the podcast will appear on search results so more people can find it. So I really appreciate you taking the time to leave a review. Also for more marriage resources, be sure to go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. And if this podcast has influenced your marriage, I would love to have you on the podcast because your story will inspire other people. So if that's you, be sure to email me. It's info at drwyattfisher.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. If you care for it and nurture it and tend to it, it will grow. But if you neglect it and if you ignore it and if you dismiss it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up.